passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Looking to bet on the NFL this season? There's no better place to wager than betonline.ag. From spreads to totals to player props, you can bet on anything and everything NFL at betonline.ag this season. BetOnline is the official provider of all betting lines used on the TDN Fantasy Podcast and the DraftNetwork.com. Go to betonline.ag and start wagering on the NFL, college football, and so much more right now. TDN Fantasy. The TDN, Fantasy, the TDN Podcast. Fantasy Podcast with your hosts, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Chris Schubert, Jamie Eisner here with you on a Monday draft strategy week here on the show. We are going to spend this week going through different formats. Today, it's an auction format, and we'll give you some draft strategies. Jamie's got a full list for you that will break down uh, point by point, and then later in the week, it's going to be the best ball format on Wednesday. But Jamie, there's actual football being played, and, and I think it's important to at least start the show by talking about maybe some things that have caught your eye. I know you were in attendance for a certain rookie quarterback making their preseason debut over the weekend. We probably should we should start there. And I talked about this on Draft Dudes today with Joe. I have not felt a buzz around the first week of preseason the way we had buzz around this first week of preseason with the five first-round rookie quarterbacks all making their debuts, all being able to see them for the first time. I can't remember a time there was this much buzz around these players, so that was fun to see. Uh, are you moving guys around in the rankings? Or are you still taking a wait-and-see approach? Now you've got some football you've seen. You're watching actual play. I, I want to be careful not to overreact too much to one game because I, I do feel like we could see completely and we do quite often in the preseason see completely different strategies in week two versus week one, in week three versus week two versus week one. So I think this is a good time to be taking extensive notes, but maybe not a time to be making massive changes to your rankings. But I also understand there are some people out there that don't have the choice. They are drafting in mid-August. That is what their leagues have decided that they're going to do. I will always advocate for drafting as late as possible, particularly right now when you have a holiday weekend leading into week one. That's a great opportunity to, to do your fantasy drafts over a three-day weekend for Labor Day. But uh, to me, I am taking extensive notes. I, I don't think I'm going to make massive movements up or down, but I want to know which players to watch very closely next week to make changes. You know, because there becomes when something becomes a trend, that is when it's notable. Because right now we have we only have the one one bullet point of information to work off of. I want to see what it looks like next week. I want to see what the reports come out. I want to see how like so now we have some a few different players at quarterback that may be starting sooner than maybe we expected. 
few running backs had a couple big games, receivers have some hype. Um, and then also understanding the difference between hype of certain guys that, hey, now they'll make the roster mm-hmm. or hype for certain guys of now they're going to have a major fantasy impact because they are, are kind of mutually exclusive. And we'll talk about a couple of those guys here coming up here at the top of the show. Yeah, I think um, there is – I think you, you phrased it very well. This is an evaluation point, but it's only one data point on the chart, right? And, and yeah. you need more. You need a bigger sample size before you're going to make any drastic movements one way or another. Do you want to talk about some of these quarterbacks individually before we get into some of these yeah. strategies? We'll start with Justin Fields. It's the guy that you saw in person over the weekend. You had the uh, the opportunity to go see Bears-Dolphins. So you got to see Justin Fields in person. We were talking in the pre-show – uh, you told me that the the electricity in the building the moment he stepped on the field uh, was palpable. It was it was noticeable, and uh, yeah, it's certainly going to be interesting to see here because I, I I still think Andy Dalton's the week one starter, but that's going to be a very difficult thing to sell to the fan base. And but we will continue to see how they split reps and how we have Justin Fields performs in his second game. So I mean, he was clearly came in in the second quarter, uh, deep into the second half to play, and they turned things over to Nick Foles in the fourth, but. You know, had some yips, for lack of a better phrase, in that second quarter. Uh, things did not go as well as you would have hoped for, uh, but the Bears salvaged it with a field goal at the end. But then he comes out that first drive of the second half, goes four for four, has that uh, broken play rushing touchdown. That it's, it's an element that you know Justin Fields has to his game, but it's something that the Bears haven't had consistently in a while because Fields was playing with a lot of pass catchers that aren't going to make the roster. Like he was not, I mean, Alan Robinson didn't play at all. You know, Mooney and Demir Bird, for example, were in there with Andy Dalton. They they played pretty infrequently. I don't think Mooney played with Fields at all in this game. I, I don't remember if Bird was out there, but he was playing with like the Riley Ridley, Javon Wims, Chris Lacey. Uh, I mean, like he was playing with those types of players. Jesse James, who ended up throwing uh, the touchdown too on that, mm-hmm. that play where he leaks out of, or James leaks on the other side of the field. So, you know, it's it's an interesting game because it felt like the Bears receivers weren't getting much separation. And Justin Fields was finding a way to make plays. And that was the theme of that third quarter for him and why everybody's so excited. And look, I think he's going to be a top 15 fantasy quarterback from the second he gets to be the starter. The only thing that doesn't have me ranked him there now is that he's starting week one. Is he starting right. week four? Like, I don't know. But there's I have little reason to believe given his skill set as a passer and given the pieces around him, and quite frankly, given how often Matt Nagy likes to throw the football, who has taken back play-calling duties from Bill Lazor, as we've noted on this show, there's no reason to believe he can't be a top 15 or even a borderline QB1. The only question is, is when does he start providing that value to you? Right, and, and if you're in a redraft format, that makes it extremely difficult to evaluate where the best place to get him is, right? If you're in a dynasty format, oh, I'm all over Justin Fields as early as humanly possible because I know that I, you just keep him around, you, you stash him away, and then the moment he's the starter, you more than likely are going to have a borderline QB1 candidate uh, this season. Uh, let's talk about Jacksonville because I think there's a lot of stuff to talk about there with Trevor Lawrence. Uh, offensive line play wasn't particularly good. Uh, that's certainly a concern. Um, again, that's not all Trevor Lawrence's fault. He doesn't have a lot of control over that, but when evaluating him from a fantasy perspective, he's one of those guys, Jamie, that we know is going to start week one and he is going to have a full 17 game sample size. And that is a concern. The other thing that's not a concern is Marvin Jones hive. Where you at? Let's go baby. Yeah. uh, We tried to tell you, uh, look, Marvin Jones is going to be the wide receiver one in Jacksonville. I've been saying that for three months. I will continue saying that three months from now. Uh, Trevor Lawrence did uh, was uh, fine. Like that. That's. I mean, I, I, 
he was like I feel the same way. Him and Zach Wilson just were just kind of they were there. That's kind of what I felt like for both of those guys. Which is again not the end of the world. You know, you don't need to you don't need to light the world on fire. I want to see a little bit more from them. But yeah, there there are there is some concerns about any rookie QB that gets to start week one and how fast they pick things up. And by the way, I'd have those same concerns even with Justin Fields or a Trey Lance in week one mm-hmm. if they were thrown into the fire. Now they had bet they were playing against second teamers versus playing against starters, which is a difference. And the competition Justin Fields and Trey Lance were going up against and Mac Jones, for example, were a little bit different than the competition that Trevor Lawrence uh, and Zach Wilson were going against. But we're all kind of dealing with a mix of starters, first team, second team. Guys are going all over the place. Nothing. I, I, there's, to me, there's no actionable items coming out of the, the Jacksonville Jaguars game. Uh, I did notice, you know, note the not a ton of usage for for ETN, but like that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Like, to me, this is this, ETN to you. <laughs> to me, this always comes back to: are, is there any actionable item coming out of this game? There isn't for me. Like, I, and I know that's boring, but it's just like I'm not. I don't have any concerns. I'm not more excited about Trevor Lawrence. I'm not less excited about Trevor Lawrence. I, I'm not more excited or less excited about ETN. Uh, I guess the only one that I'm more excited about is Marvin Jones, but I've been riding the Marvin Jones hype train all along. So, <laughs> like to me, it's just like, yep, that's what I expected. Like, so uh, I would, I would say, and again, same deal with Zach Wilson in New York. Uh, you know, it looks like a, what a Elijah Moore's day to day with what was what was his injury? Was it it's, hamstring? It's a, it's a quad. Um, quad. It's a day to day. But they, the, um, Salah said post game that they expect him to potentially be out there next week. So it's not something that they think okay. is going to really limit his ability to get reps here uh, with Zach Wilson and and the first team offense. So that's notable. Again, Mike, I wish Michael Carter got a little bit more usage for the Jets as well at mm-hmm. running back, but I don't necessarily yeah. think that means anything. Um, I am, trust me, I am well aware of all of the fantasy questions around the Dolphins running backs, for example. <laughs> uh, I am not touching my rankings for that yet. Um, and I feel more confident because I was sitting next to Kyle Krabs while all this stuff was happening with the Dolphins, and nobody is more plugged into the Dolphins than Kyle Krabs is. Um, I, I'm not worried about Miles Gaskin. Uh, I'm, I'm just... No, I, I I don't know if Malcolm Brown is going to be anything more than short yardage goal line. I know he technically was the starter this week, but that's one of the ones where like I'm watching it just because they burned me last year. But to be fair, they didn't have preseason, but they burned me last year. I'm watching it, but I'm not changing my rankings yet. So I, I would not plummet Miles Gaskin. I know we're jumping around a bit, but there's just like a lot yeah, of like yeah. nuggets of information that I think is, again, worth noting but i'm not sure there's a ton of like actionable changes that i think you need to make if you are drafting this week and i think that's the reason we wanted the reason why we wanted to start the show this way is because there's actual football and there's actual things to to look at we wanted to at the top here talk a little bit about it and and jamie i don't think there's anything across the board and we were talking a little bit about this in the pre-show i don't think there's anything from this first week of preseason that is making you drastically touch your rankings right now. You're taking no. all this information in. It's all going on a, on a, on a bulletin board, and you're, you're keeping track of it, what to, what to note for week two. And when trends start to develop, you'll make changes. But right now, uh, I, I'm going to speak for you. Those rankings aren't changing. Not, not this week. Those rankings, no. unless an injury happens, right? But right now, th- those rankings are pretty locked in stone. There are two things that, and uh, one that I want to keep a note on, and then one I want to ask you about. Then we'll get into the auction draft strategy here. The first one is, and I try not to care what depth charts look like at this time of year because they mean nothing usually. But David Johnson being the third running back in Houston is something I'm watching. Not like gonna I'm, fool I me. I think one touch uh, this weekend. Something not I'm watching. Fool me. Just something I'm watching. 
You're saying, I don't, here's the thing, because it's a new coaching staff. You know, that's what I'm saying. Know, like, but like, we don't have. He was so good at the end of the year last year. He was a top 15 running back in PPR fantasy points per I game. I know. You, Again, I'm not can't. moving him yet. I'm just, that is probably the biggest red flag that I have next to a player from week one of the preseason. I'm going to be angry. David Johnson. I'm, I'm going to be angry if they don't use him. Because he was very good at the tail end of last season. So he was he was worked behind Ingram and and Philip Lindsay. So we will see. And then one, Chris, before we get into it, I want to ask you about it because you are in that market. I did Hello. not have a chance. I will go back and watch him. I did not have a chance to watch um, the Cardinals Cowboys game super closely. Oh yeah, but talk to me about Rondell Moore. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know if you can hear it from outside the window here, but the the buzz it's very loud. It's very loud here. Um. Listen, he he impressed. Everybody here was was excited about Rondell Moore. I am I'm cautiously optimistic, right? You know my personal feelings about this Cardinals offense and this Cardinal coaching staff, and that's what's making me concerned. But Jamie, nobody else on this team is grabbing that that brass ring of wide receiver two. Larry Fitzgerald appears to not be walking through that door anymore. Christian Kirk has had an opportunity; he's missed it. Right now, DeAndre Hopkins isn't practicing, so you know who's getting a lot of the run right now is Rondell Moore. So, yeah, I, I certainly put this on the list of things you keep an eye on. I have concerns with the Cardinals' offense and the injury history there with Rondell Moore. Those things have not changed for me. But, yeah, there was a lot of buzz coming out of, of preseason game one uh, with Rondell Moore, and rightly so, right, because somebody has to yeah. emerge as that wide receiver too. They drafted him in the second round. The, the expectation is, is that the role that's the role he fills. And he's a fun player. Caught three of his four targets, got a couple carries in that game. So, again, somebody, again, guys, you have gold stars about, guys, you put red flags around. I, I'm not making massive changes yet, but there are players that I'm very much looking for. And the funny thing is, it's like we talked about a bunch of rookies, but it's David Johnson's the one I'm probably the most concerned about at the moment. Yeah, and, and the last thing I would add to Rondell Moore, and I'll, uh, this is not a one-for-one -one player comp, but I certainly see Cliff Kingsbury using him in the same way we envision LaVisca Chenault being used in Jacksonville, in just he's all over the field. We're just going to use this guy all over the place however we can get him involved in the offense. Yeah, La LaVisca got a lot of work as well. From, well, from, I mean, DJ Chark, DJ Chark's out. You know, DJ Chark's not allowed yeah, to do anything for, for Jacksonville. What ever, else is so. new? Um, okay, let's get into this, uh, the draft strategies for auction leagues. And, and I think an important thing to note here at the top, Jamie, and you've put together a list, so I'll let you present your list bullet point by bullet point we can discuss. But I think it's important to note that out of all of the different ways that you can draft fantasy uh, leagues in 2021, auction leagues, I think, have the most customizable options. There's so much difference no two auction leagues are ever going to be the same. So I think it's important to note here that Jamie's going to put together some bullet points, but some of these things might not necessarily work for your league. If let's say, for example, this is one thing that I think is so important, Jamie, sometimes the budget that you get for an auction league, the leftover budget is your free agent budget for the year. Some leagues do that. Some leagues don't. That's an extremely important distinction because if your yes. league has a totally separate budget, I'm going to tell you, don't leave the draft with any money left over, right? But if you if you have a free agent budget that's directly tied to your, your draft budget, you got to keep some money left over. So these are some important distinctions to make as we get into this. Yeah, and, and look, it, as anything goes, this these are more boilerplate pieces of information. Things need to be customized to your league and, and the players in it. So and let, let's kind of kick things off with that idea, sure. and that is custom auction values. It is incredibly important to not just print out a spreadsheet from any old website that has it because you need to make sure that the custom values fit your league, uh, the type of players that you want, your settings, 
is you know how many players you have to draft because dollar values change if you have two starting receivers in a flex versus three starting receivers and two flexes. So uh, making sure you have custom auction auction values and based on your rankings because all of the auction values you're going to see out there are based on somebody's rankings. So find the ranking set that you like. And I will produce, if you like my rankings and you use mine on the draftnetwork.com, I will have this week a set of custom auction values for my rankings of players when I do my, my rankings update this week. So whatever it is, find those values. And at least it gives you a baseline what to work with. I don't think you have to hold to those that it's like the gospel, but it gives you a mm-hmm. baseline to work with of this is what mathematically is approximate value for where you have this player ranked. And then you, at that point, just have to go and strategize how you can use that budget prop. And I'll add to this, and I don't have Jamie's list in front of me, so if I steal his thunder by saying something that he's on, he has on the list, too bad. Um, I think it's also important when you're when you're talking about it. I think tiers are more important in auction formats to have players in tiers, so you know, okay, this 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 top tier, I'm willing to you know maybe go a little bit over value for these group of players. When you have these players and these position groups tiered off, I think it allows you to have at least in your head a range of dollars that you want to associate with that position group. Okay, my tier one guys, I'm willing to give X amount. These tier two guys, this is the range I want to stay with these tier two guys. Again, not specific dollar amounts, but ranges in which you feel comfortable. So I think we always talk about tiers. I think in in auction leagues in particular, it is so important to tier guys off so where you know, okay, here's a drop-off in what kind of budget I should be allocating to the position. And I think there's two points that you bring up, Chris, that I want to kind of dive into a little bit more. And one of them is... And this is my personal opinion, and this has had been successful for me. I play an auction league every year. I think it's honestly one of the most fun ways to play it's fantasy fun. football, yeah, yeah. by the way, because you have the Stressful, opportunity. Stressful, but fun. Well, it is, and you have to pay attention constantly. It is an active experience for two, three, four hours, depending on how big your league is and how many spots that you have. But it's the only – you want to talk about fairness. Every single player is available to every single team. Yep. You're not stuck of like if you pick eighth, you're never getting Christian McCaffrey in a redraft league. Never going to happen. You're never going to get the opportunity. But everybody has an opportunity to get every single player in auction. That's why it is so fun. But it's also why I think it's important to remember to, if you like, really, really like a star player, it is better to spend a couple extra bucks to get a star player than to spend a couple extra bucks on your middle tier guys. Yes. Because, and if you, it's a simple percentage game, but if I'm going to like draft uh, for, my RB won at $64. Let's just say I am better off spending 67 on that player than drafting a $12 running back for 15 to be my flex. Value, so value, value. Don't be afraid to pay up for your stars if that's your strategy. I like to do the stars and scrub strategy, but don't be afraid to pay up for big players because it does you no value to overvalue middle to late guys. Like you don't want to be the guy stuck at the end of the draft with all this money paying five, six, seven dollars over value to get these players. So that's part one. The second part is, and you talk about tiers specifically, this is an easy mental trap to fall into. And you pretty much anybody who will tell you anything about auction draft strategy will come up with the same point because it's very obvious. Don't overpay and don't fall in love with the very last player in your tier. Yes. Your goal is not to get the last player in your top tier across the board. It is that is your cutoff. And you're going to get a couple of those players. It's not to say you avoid the last player in your given tier. But it's so easy to go, 
well, I still got four guys in this tier. Well, I still got three guys in this tier. Well, there's still these two guys. And then go, okay, well, no, oh, crap, there's only one guy left. Now I have to overbid for him. Don't make that mistake. The tiers are there to help you gauge when you need to really go in on a player. It's not to be like, well, as long as I get the last guy in every tier. Well, if you get the mm-hmm. last guy in every tier, you're going to be a very average team. And that's not what any of us are sure. playing to be average. So be very careful because it's, it's an easy subconscious trick you can trick yourself into. And I, I think anybody who's done an auction draft for the first time probably fell in that trap, myself included. Mm-hmm. It's so yeah. easy. Don't overvalue that last player in your tier. It's now, d- don't be afraid to take the top player in a tier. Like, again, it all goes back to value. Yeah, and, and I think, I'll, t- I'll tell a quick story, and I guess I have a question for you, Jamie. The, the auction league that you're in, how, how does that work? Is it an online draft? Do you all kind of get together in a Zoom call and do it? How, how, does, how does your auction draft work? Yeah, so we all just get together. Uh, the same okay. as you just said, we, have a, we do it on... I don't remember what platform we're going to use this year, but we all get together. Uh, we do a Zoom call, but it's it's all automated through the system. So okay. we're not doing the Zoom call is just for a chat. It's just for okay. you know you know what talking. So perfect. So now, so then you do it automated. So where there's a system for you. I have done yes. one. The last auction draft that I did, we were in person, all in person, and oh, it was God. a it was a silent auction draft. So everybody had. A white silent auction draft. Everybody had a whiteboard, so they had a whiteboard in front of them, and I and I and I have I'm I'm using video demonstrations for Jamie, and so it would there would be a a quote unquote draft order, and then the person who was up would put would put the player up that they want to 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 bid on, and then you would all write down a number that you wanted to bid on that person, and then one two three everybody turns the number, and the way it would work is the person who bid the most would get the player for $1 more than the second highest bid. I anarchy. love that. Absolute anarchy, my guy. It is the definition of chaos. So I love that idea. Um, I know there's not a lot of people doing in-person stuff at no, the moment. No, that's the but, tough part, right. Uh, but I, I actually, I kind of like high-key love that. But for most of so you out there, to, you're going to be using your point about tiers, right? But to your yeah. point about tiers and, and making sure that you're delineating, I can't tell you how many times I'm looking at my list and I'm like, okay, I want this guy. And then he would come up and I'm like, all right, well, I don't know what anybody else is bidding. So it's time to, to push all the chips in the middle. And so and it, see, gets little, l- it gets a little chaotic. Luckily for most of you out there, you will know because you'll be, whether you're on ESPN or Yahoo or, or any of these other platforms that you'll use, you'll be able to see, you know, people bidding up $1, $1, $1 here countdown um all, all that fun stuff so you'll kind of know but it's uh it's important to say like look go get your guys like that is in any fantasy format i think that at the end of the day that's got to be the prevailing like background theme of go get your guys if you believe in somebody if you believe this player should be taken where you have it or or this player should be taken for this amount of money don't be afraid about what everybody else thinks because it doesn't mm-hmm. matter because I, I hate to break it to everybody and it, it sucks to say because i love this time of year the second week one starts, <laughs> draft doesn't matter. No. You got the players on your team. Doesn't matter when you took guys. If you're right, didn't matter you drafted the guy two rounds early if you're right. Mm-hmm. Like, I know that that's not the advice that you usually hear, but like, I'm not saying I advise you just to go reach on a bunch of dudes, but if you truly believe in a player and you think that that player should go in either that part of the round or for the X amount of dollars in auction leagues, doesn't matter what everybody else thinks. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else you got on your list there? Bullet points. I don't want to steal all your takes. One of them is don't lock in on any single player. And I think that is, especially uh, early in the draft. A lot of times you want to go in like, I want McCaffrey. 
okay. And let's say McCaffrey's valued at $68. If you want McCaffrey, you want to go to 70, 72, 73. Don't go to 90 <laughs> because you're going to get screwed. Yep. So there's a point of like you have to be willing to know I will, I'm going to do everything I can to get this player. I will go over market. It's like, I guess like buying a house right now. I'm going to go over market because I want this house. But there's also a point where like you still got to be able to pay the light bill. You still got to be able to fill out the rest of your roster. Yeah. You don't want to sit in an empty house with no electricity. Yeah, I got Christian McCaffrey and I'm playing a bunch of low round guys on the rest of my roster. So I got the best running back in football, but I'm in last place. You don't want to do that. So make sure you don't lock in any single player because more so than any other draft, you have to be willing to pivot in auction. Because you, you, you to, might think yeah. you might like a guy. You'd be like, oh, I think I'm the only person that likes this player. You might not be. No. And it gets things really interesting. So you cannot plan to have any player on your roster until that player is actually on your roster. And I would I would piggyback off of that and also when talking about don't overpay, don't get locked in on guys and overpay for guys. Be aware of what everybody else is doing. You cannot be so so focused on your internal big board. Did you notice that, you know, Jim from accounting has already gotten three wide receivers? Okay, you know he's not going to probably be in the mix if a wide receiver comes up. That changes the math on this stuff. That changes the amount of dollars that are going to be to be allocated. Because, Jamie, I think it's so important to talk about. All of these guys have, quote-unquote, fantasy auction values, right? Let's just use Christian McCaffrey and the number that you've thrown out, for example, $68. Well, if Christian McCaffrey isn't the first name that's auctioned and we've seen two other names come off the board and there are two people that now aren't in the mix, maybe McCaffrey doesn't get the $68, right? And so it's just awareness in, in an auction draft is, I think, more important than awareness in any other format. You need to know where other dollars have gone. You need to know positionally where other people, specifically with quarterbacks. Does everybody else have a quarterback? Because now I don't really have to overspend to get a quarterback. I can get a good value quarterback and not go over over budget there. So I think it's so important to be aware to what everybody else is doing. Have your internal big board, follow your internal big board, but notice what other people are doing. Doing. Notice what other people's strategies are because that changes the math a lot. 100% agree. So, and it does. And so my, my next point is, and I think this is, you know, as, as we get into deeper and deeper, it's be willing to add very cheap value when the opportunity presents itself. And this goes back to the conversation we have a lot of time about bus lists, where we always say there is a point for most players that we would draft that player. I know the big, the biggest, biggest name we've talked about that for literally since January was Saquon Barkley. Like mm -hmm. there's a point where I will draft Saquon Barkley. It's not in round one, but there's a point where I would draft him. There's a dollar figure that I would draft Saquon Barkley at. There's a dollar figure I would draft, you know, some, I'm trying to think of other guys that I hate, but like there's a dollar figure, Chris, that you would draft DeAndre Swift at, right? Yeah, probably. Not be the dollar value that's, yeah. that's valued for, like if you look at a cheat sheet, but there is a number that you go, uh, okay, well at that price, you're going to see that. I have never been in, in an auction draft that didn't have a few guys that you have maybe valued at 10, 12, $13 that go for five. It happens all the time. You and need it's to kind be of all over those opportunities. Don't be afraid to take those opportunities. Like, be willing to say, like, I don't love this player, but if I'm going to get a $20 player for 10, I'm going to strongly consider that. And particularly if you're getting guys that are in the upper teens for single digit dollars. 
And that's part of like, I like to go stars and scrubs. So sometimes I miss out on that in the middle rounds because I'm going to go here. I'm going to bid for my best players and I'm going to go with a lot of, a couple guys that are solid and then like all my sleepers. But I can, but I miss out on those mid-level opportunities. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, there were, I don't know how many drafts I leave where I go, damn, I can't believe I didn't have enough money to bid a $6 on this player. I had, I had this guy with $10 more value. So be aware that those opportunities are going to present themselves likely multiple times, uh, probably about an hour to an hour and a half into your draft. Those are going to present yourself multiple times. Be aware and be willing to take on those moments, even if those aren't players you particularly love. And let me add to that and and let's, let's, you know, ripple effect this out. If you're able to get some players undervalued that maybe you don't love, but they're undervalued. Now you got more cash in the bank to maybe bid a dollar or two more on a player that you're really in love with. It's dollar allocation. Yep. It is dollar management. So if I can grab a DeAndre Swift or a Saquon Barkley under by a couple of bucks, well, guess what? Now I have those couple of bucks when Marvin Jones' name comes around and I want to be able to go out and get Marvin Jones because he's the wide receiver one in Jacksonville, just using this as an example. I now feel comfortable bidding a couple dollars more because all in all, if I added up, I probably would have gotten two players at that that money anyway. It would have just been two different names. So it's dollar allocation. You have to constantly be thinking four, five, six moves ahead. It's a big chess match when you're when you're doing these auction drafts. And so yeah, take those value opportunities because they're not just one pick opportunities. They open up worlds of avenues later for you to capitalize on players that you do like, players that you do think that you really want on your team. We talked about not falling in love with a player, but certainly you have an ability to fall in love with a player a little bit harder when you have the dollars to do it if you take opportunities like the two we just mentioned. And I've got got one more big one, and then we can kind of wrap things up and kind of do a little like potpourri kind of conversation. But and this is and you brought this up earlier in the show and and I have to underscore this of how important this is be aware of other teams needs and budgets particularly late in the draft enter a, an auction draft like you're sitting at a poker table right oh, this, yeah. this so Chris will love this Chris is Oh, a great a, analogy Chris, Chris loves poker analogy. this is yeah Chris Chris is a hardcore poker player he's just, he's he's good and he plays a lot now it's the not last comment I will make about Chris you you have to pay attention how people bid on certain players. Pay attention on what they do because you're going to have some instigators. You're going to have guys that are just going to bid up dollars to try to drive up a price. They don't actually want that player. They're not even saying this is a value. They just simply believe that they can force you or a league mate to bid that one extra dollar and take that money away from them. You're going to have some people that will start to panic buy. Especially in the middle of late rounds, they maybe they missed out on the top five or top six or top seven running backs. They're starting to panic, not realizing that opens up opportunities elsewhere on the roster, but they will panic. Start to see who's like that, who's doing what, who's bidding up just to bid up, who's kind of trolling and who's not, particularly late in your draft, because you're going to all have different auction dollars left, and you're going to know is this person about to, is this person about to outbid me? Particularly if you want a player, if you, let's say you need a quarterback late. And the guy that forgot to bid on everybody and has $74 with three picks left in the draft also needs a quarterback. If you nominate the top quarterback, you're not getting that player. You just have to know that. So be very aware of other roster needs. Be very aware of how people bid and their strategies throughout the draft because you're playing. It's it's a you versus, unlike the mock draft and the regular redraft scenarios where it's just like you versus the pick number. It's you versus everybody else. Mm-hmm. It's you versus your league mates in auction drafts. 
because everybody has a chance to get those players and it doesn't matter what order you guys go in. It doesn't matter what order you nominate it. You're all fighting for the same player. So be very aware of how they spend their money, what their strengths, weaknesses, and tendencies are, and read it like you're sitting down at a poker table. And it's okay, especially if you don't, let's say you don't want to overbid or don't like, you know, I'm not going to pay for a top five running back. And you know that. That gives you a great opportunity, almost like, like a, a leadoff hitter, to see the mix of pitches from your league. How is everybody bidding on these players? Who do they like more? Make some notes. So in the end, it's it's about you versus your league mates and their strategies and what they're doing on any given player. So just kind of keep that in mind and make sure you're reading the room. You have to, it's an active experience throughout the entirety of your draft. You are not just sitting back and waiting for your nomination to come up, obviously. You need to know what everybody else is doing if you want to have a really successful auction draft. I will continue the poker analogy because I think it's such a great one, Jamie. It's not always about your cards, right? It's about it's about the all the information that you can gather from everybody that is involved in the mix. So yeah, you have your own rankings. Yeah, you have your own strategy. But that guess what? That that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. That's not the be all end all. You need to have all of the information to be able to make good rational decisions. So yes, being aware, keeping an eye on what other people are doing, and also Jamie, I think it's important to note. If you know that everybody's got a quarterback, like I used this example before, now values for quarterbacks go down a little bit. They're not going to track with what the actual, you know, cheat sheet value tells you for a quarterback. So it's just being aware, understanding where everyone else is at with a specific position. Um, I okay, he's put his finger up. He, Sorry, we're one going last thing, Marie, but it's okay. We are. So one last thing for this, and it's a preference that I have, and I blatantly stole it from somebody else somewhere along the line that told me about this, and I love it. And by the way, I think you should do this in regular drafts too, not just auction. Don't draft a kicker or defense if your league allows it. Oh, I was going to make the, the suggestion of only spend a dollar on your defense and your kicker. Correct. But if you that's if you do draft it. Otherwise, don't. Take two extra flyers on running back in camp. Or now, if, if, I mean, if you're doing this Labor Day weekend, then whatever. But if you're doing these drafts with a couple weeks of the preseason left or a week left, take a couple flyers on a rookie running back or somebody down the depth chart or just take a couple of flyers on sleepers that you'll just cut if then nothing happens before week one and you'll mm-hmm. pick up and you'll stream a kicker, you'll stream a defense and you'll move on with your lives. But you never know when somebody there at the bottom of your roster makes the team or there's an injury and all of a sudden they're, they would have been the hot pickup that week and well, you already have them on your roster. Yeah, so I was going to lead off the potpourri portion where we would just throw a bunch of stuff out there saying defense kicker, if you have to pick them, a dollar. That's it. No mas. A dollar, a dollar only. Pretty much. I mean, it's not good value value to do anything other than that. To me, one of my favorite things to do is in like the middle rounds is to throw out the top defense for a dollar and then watch people bid up to five or six dollars and just take that money away from them. Talk. We go back to the point about the, figure I, out who the trolls in your draft are, Jamie. It, it, it's Jamie. But and I guess this brings up the other point. There, there are some people. I am always of the mind that you should nominate ninety percent of the time. You should nominate a player you actually want when you're up, because we'll get we'll get questions about that. Really, I don't. I disagree. You disagree. I'm of the mind that ninety percent of the time you nominate a player that you want. And you mix in, I guess maybe 80, let's say four out of five. So 80% of the time, uh, we do math on the show. 80% of the time, I want to nominate a player I want. I will mix in a player I don't want 
occasionally. Because to me, the, the only reason I will mix in a player I don't want is if, like on a defense case in the middle rounds, or if I know that I got, I'm trying to get like a different position or throw somebody off the scent. Because uh, there is that little bit of a strategy of like, you know, it's tough for me because everybody knows who I like because I broadcast this publicly. <laughs> so I, I can't. No, like when I nominate Marvin Jones and Tyler Boyd and, and Michael Carter and drafts, like nobody's going to go, oh, what does he do? Like, oh, yeah, we know he loves them. Let's drive up the price. So, like, I understand sometimes my experiences of the last few years are a little bit different because everybody knows who my sleepers are. Everybody knows who I like and value more than everybody else. So, like, I can't get one over on anybody. They might not agree, but at least they, but they know how I feel. I, I so certainly I, what is your I have that re- no I have that reputation as well because in the dynasty league that I just did it wasn't an auction format but we have a rookies only draft and so we get into the lobby and everybody knows what I do for a living they know I work on draft dudes every day I work on TDN fantasy every day I'm constantly looking at players for this upcoming season so I take a player off the board and everybody goes oh I didn't know who that was they've got to be a home run because Chris drafted him because they just know what I do so there's a reputation that precedes us in these formats so I'll give you a perfect example Jamie if I was the third person nominating in an auction draft you can absolutely guarantee Saquon Barkley's name's getting slapped up there and I'm just going to watch the chaos ensue like Saquon, there. you're in. Like, yeah, I, I think Sa- Saquon's my top nominee this year. So, look, I'm fine doing it that way. I just don't think sometimes, sometimes you just, you got to nominate guys that you want. Like, I, I, I'm fine doing it that way. And by the way, I don't think it's necessarily a bad strategy. And, and that's why I only wanted to bring it up in the potpourri section. I don't really think it demonstrably changes your ability to draft well if you always nominate somebody you want or never nominate somebody you want because you're going to have the opportunity to get your players. So, I think a lot gets brought into that conversation um, that I don't think is worthwhile. Now, to your point, Chris, I think, the, and that's a great point. If there is a really, really, really good player that you're out on. Because to me, like, yeah, it's fun like to do the defense thing in like an hour in where you steal six bucks off of somebody. Saquon's going to steal 50 off somebody or maybe more. Again, I'm going on the normal like what 265 budget. You know, but specifically if you went, number, if but, you put him up that early. Yeah. Oh, because if Saquon Barkley's not nominated by the time I come up in round one, I'm putting him up in round one now. You've convinced me. Because you said that name and I went, yep, you're right. And and Because here's why. Because I think – tell me if you disagree with this. If Saquon Barkley is the third name off the board, I think he goes for too many dollars over. He's overvalued. If he's at the end of round one, the beginning of round two, he probably goes right where he should be, at least in auction formats, dollar-wise. Yeah. He probably goes close. So think of the difference. By putting him up that much earlier – you cost somebody a ton of money by doing that, at least in your own yeah. mind, because you of the value that you perceive. Because you were never going to take that player. Because you would yeah. never take that player. So it's again, it's about that awareness. It's about understanding um, the way it would work. And I think you bring up a great point, Jamie. There's never a scenario where just because I nominate a player I don't want doesn't mean that I can't get a player that I do want. Right? You're not forfeiting Correct. anything by by leaning into the chaos. The only strategy on that part where I'd be careful is not bidding too much on players you don't want to drive up the price. Like there is a level that you should do that a little bit because there is a dollar amount that every player can be on your roster. Every good player can be on your roster. Mm-hmm. But be careful because sometimes just see, seeing if you can take a couple extra bucks away from your league mate means you're stuck with a player that you don't want. So just I'm just saying be careful with that. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. It, it, it's a delicate balance that you have to strike um, when doing this. Anything else on your, on your ra- list of randomness? Real, no, um, my only other thing will be 
just check out. I will have uh, custom auction values at thedraftnetwork.com later this week that you can use based off my rankings. Um, I would suggest that you interchange them uh, based on positions in the sense of like if your QB1 is different than my QB1, just switch those two players on my list in terms of dollar values um, if that's easier for you. Um, and I just encourage you to use that as a guideline, not as a hard and fast rule. And just uh, give yourself some flexibility because I guarantee you that those top players are, and even mid-level players aren't going to go for that exact amount of money that they're listed at uh, on any on any chart that you use. So you have to be willing to be flexible. It's a good baseline to kind of put you in their ballpark of where you should value these players. And at that point, you need to make your own adjustments based on your league scoring and how your league mates interact inside of the auction. Uh, so yeah, that's it. Draft strategies for the auction format. I am super. I was excited to do this breakdown, but I am extremely excited to do Wednesday's breakdown because it is a format. And Jamie, you can tell me if I'm wrong here. This is a growing format in the fantasy community. It's something that over the last couple of years has really taken on a life of its own. Uh, and we're going to do draft strategies for best ball formats on Wednesday's show. So that should be a fascinating conversation, a fascinating deep dive. Uh, you heard Jamie mention it. All of the all of the content over at thedraftnetwork.com uh, underneath the fantasy tab. Jamie, where can everybody follow you on social media? Follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter and at Jamie Eisner TDN on Instagram. You can follow me on Twitter at Shoe Radio, S-C-H-U Radio. And again, the draftnetwork.com underneath the fantasy tab. Make sure you follow the show on Twitter at TDN Fantasy. Everybody, have a great start to your week. We will talk to you on Wednesday for the best ball draft strategies. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.